Thank you for listening to the Finally Quit Porn Podcast. In today's episode, I was joined by Mahesh Grossman, and we had a really interesting conversation. I learned a lot from this podcast, most importantly, how to deal with sexual urges, and this was in a really unique way, something I had never really done before, and so I had to be quite vulnerable, open, and honest throughout this podcast. I hope you do enjoy it. Let's get straight into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Finally Quit Porn Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mahesh Grossman, founder of Berkeley Hypnosis and the One Minute Anxiety Solution. So welcome on the show, Mahesh. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Really excited to talk to you today. Do you want to start off by giving a bit of a introduction to yourself and the work that you do? Sure. I'm a somatic hypnotherapist which may sound a little complicated, but somatic just means of the body. And so when I work with people, we start with what's, what they're feeling in their body as a way to heal the kind of things that are, you know, going through, that, that they're trying to change. Because so, so basically almost everything I do is let's find out what's going on under the surface that's causing you to have, you know, whether it's eating or or drinking or porn, there's always something under the surface that's making it hard to quit. There's this old pain, that un, un, unfelt, unprocessed pain that was too much to handle at the time that you went through whatever the experience was. And so that leads to beliefs that, 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 that you're carrying, and, and the beliefs are not what people think of as like intellectual beliefs. What really happens, and I'll explain this later, is we have these internalized parents. And so whatever it is that bothers us, we, we'll get to the point, you'll see this later in the show, uh, we'll get to the point where you're you're saying to them, you know, blank, it really hurt me when you blank. Dad, it really hurt me when you criticize me all the time. And when you say that to dad, 100% of the time, whatever it is you say, or mom or school bully or whoever it was that, that hurt you, 100% of the time, they are going to make an excuse or just not give you the time of day. And they're just a part of you, right? When, when, when we're doing this work, the only one there is us. So this inside ourselves is this part of us that believes that there was something wrong with us and that we deserve whatever happened to us. Because otherwise, the the person that, that we're talking to would say, I'm sorry, I love you. You're a great kid. Uh, I never should have done that, and then I won't do it again. So that's kind of the, and when you get that inner person or inner part to say those things, something shifts dramatically. So that's a lot of what we do. And people feel better instantaneously from those kinds of things. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't more. It just means that, that each step that we do pulls things out yeah calms things down how did you come across all of this can you tell us a bit about maybe some issues that you've gone through in the past and and how this kind of work helped you overcome those problems well it's a combination i you know i had i i was a card-carrying sex addict sex addicts anonymous so i've been in the rooms that a lot of the people in your audience may have been in if they've gone to saa or slaa or sexaholics anonymous um and I had severe procrastination problems 
that I didn't know was anxiety. I did not know was anxiety. And so when I became a hypnotherapist, I read some books about anxiety. I said, oh my God, what I thought was procrastination is really anxiety. And, um, and there's things that just kind of happened and, and a way of processing change. Because I was actually pretty good at uh, what you'd call somatic work in terms of just allowing myself to feel my feelings. But the problem with that with anxiety is that you get stuck. Anxiety is, is your brain's way of trying to protect you from something, right? So it's stopping you from doing something. So if you sit and you feel your feelings for three hours, guess what? The brain thinks... It helped you overcome anxiety. And I mean, it helped you overcome a danger to yourself. So it's going to keep sending anxiety systems symptoms. So partly I had to do this kind of work to overcome that. But also, I mean, you know, the sex addiction stuff was really strong. And um, I discovered all kinds of trauma underneath what was running the sex addiction for 10 years. Literally, I just kept discovering different people who molested me somebody who tried to kill me and all a lot of this is an infant and so i developed this system to help get through the healing of that stuff i'll be honest with you the sex addiction actually was helpful at a certain point when i discovered one particular thing that was really painful and i would spend hours sitting on the couch trying to process it the only thing that would get me out of the feeling was the addiction so you know sometimes when you're going through something really intense, the addiction is a, is, is a kind of a tool. I actually discovered my favorite way to be addicted at a, after a 12-step meeting where you're not supposed to mention anything. This guy didn't mention anything during the meeting, but then mentioned an app after the meeting. So um, that was kind of an interesting kind of thing and hooked me for a long time, actually. What was your... Thoughts. What what are your thoughts towards the sort of twelve step approach and you know SAA? You know, let's say it's if if we're talking about the Olympics of healing sex addiction, you might be able to win a bronze medal, but it's not the it's not the gold medal, and um, it can be really helpful kind of band aid stuff. But the real prize. It's not just stopping your porn addiction. It's healing the underlying things underneath it because they're also affecting your relationships. They're affecting your work. They're affecting your habits. They're affecting your health. And so the more you can heal of what's under the surface, the more your whole life improves. Yeah. Do you know much about internal family systems? Is what you teach to that? Um, there's an element of it. I borrow a little bit from internal family systems. What I don't like about IFS, I, what I like about IFS, the parts work good. And I, you know, I, I do things with parts work. And I have a couple of sentences I've borrowed from IFS, or at least from the guy who took a workshop and told them to me. But what I don't like about IFS is it's really complicated. And it's much more complicated than it needs to be because you don't, you First off, you don't have to resolve if, if you've done IFS. You don't have to resolve the parts in the way that they're talking about. And you don't have to keep them around. But the real thing is, you can simplify it. This: the parts we're talking to are your mom, your dad, a sibling. On occasion, it's 
it's somebody else, but generally those are the main ones. And um, you just have to work on getting them to the point where they're willing to allow you to, to allow, allow them to retire. How do we do that? Well, um, in some ways it's like telemarketing. You're overcoming objections. <laughs> I was a really good telemarketer 50 years ago. Uh, well, maybe, well, 45 years ago. And um, what you have to get them to do is feel safe. That it's okay. That it's safe for you to feel what you need to feel. And it's safe for them to leave. And that they're not doing you. They have to understand that they're not really protecting you. So, um, I mean, in some cases, you, you can talk to and I. It, it's what's really weird is, I also work with people with past life stuff sometimes, and past lives um, are just other parts in a certain sense, because they're doing. They're trying to protect you from whatever bad thing happened to them in that life. Uh, happening again, so it's exactly like parts work. So uh, you can, you know, you can get to a part and, and say, "Hey, do you know that I'm 42 years old?" And the part may say no. Or do you think a 42 year old can help take care of me better than the five year old version of you? And generally, the parts will agree. But you ask the part, "Are you tired of the job of of whatever it is?" and are you willing to retire? And then you know, what's keeping you from that if you're not? And then you begin to deal with the objections just to tell them. <laughs> All right. So let's say I'm at work one day and somebody is maybe giving me a lot of criticism. They're saying your work's not very good or at least it comes across that way to me. And then I think back, well, I don't even think about it. It's going on subconsciously. I, I sort of feel a lot of anxiety, fear, and maybe powerlessness. And it's all relating to maybe my sister bullying me when I was five years old. Well, wait, wait, wait. So you, but you know too much already. Okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, okay. So let's not, so here's the thing. First off, I, when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, I ask them to not know things intellectually because you may be wrong at what it's about, right? What we want to do is connect to the subconscious mind. So here's how we do that. And, and and I would say let's let's use this, an example that's even more potent for your audience. Think about the last time you had the desire to use porn, and then notice where you feel it in your body. So this is how you're going to do it. If you're listening, this is how you do it. Each time you get the urge, if you if you messed up and you didn't do it, you didn't you know you use you can still go back and say, well, where was I? What was happening? in that moment and what did it feel like and then you ask yourself to notice where you feel it in your body so um i'm a bit of an empath so i kind of know what i think you're feeling but tell me where do you feel this in your body as you're thinking of this i'm feeling in my stomach like just below my chest yep yep and so um so notice that feeling in your stomach and the way this worked to get to the the point of origin is then I'm going to ask you how old were you the first time you had a sensation like this in your body? And you're not you don't think about it. I'm just going to ask you were you ten or under or eleven or older? And see if you can just notice the answer to that. Mm. 
That's interesting because the answer is <laughs> the answer is younger than ten. But I know the first time I acted on anything like that would have been when I was around twelve. No, yeah, but see, we're not talking about when you acted on porn. We're talking about what is this core wound and how old are you? It has nothing to do with porn. Mm-hmm. Chances are the it wasn't it was before you were connected to porn. Obviously, at under ten. Yeah, yeah. So, so then you ask, uh, was is this sensation? Well, all we're talking about is the sensation in your body, right? Then we're going to ask, is it was this five or under or six or over? Think six or over. Good. So six to ten. So was it six to eight or nine or ten? Yeah, seven. Good. So now that we know you're seven, were you home or were you at school or someplace else? That school. Yeah, good. So were you in the classroom or were you in the lunchroom or the, you know, the playground or the hallway? I was in the playground. Okay, good. And and so, and you're upset about something, right? This is, you have this sensation because you're either sad, mad, or scared. So, um, who are you upset with? Or what are you upset about? I feel upset because some other kids are playing. I'm not. Yeah. So you feel isolated and, and a little bit of a ba- a little abandoned here. Mm, yeah. So, um, so, and there's probably a particular kid that you feel abandoned by, right? There's like, you want to play with them, but there's one kid who you really want their attention from. Yeah. So who's that kid? It's a kid called Alistair. Okay, good. And a teddy bear I named Alistair. <laughs> Here it's a less common name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter who it is, but we just have to address it. You could even do a fake thing. But so, so then you, you're going to picture Alistair and uh, you're going to say, Alistair, it really hurt me when you played, when you, when you didn't let me play with you. You can say it in your own words, but it really hurt me when. So just picture Alistair and say that. Yeah, it hurt me when you didn't let me play with you and the other kids. Yeah, so picture him and say it again, but picture him and see what he says back this time. It hurt me when you didn't let me play with the other kids. All right, now, now what does Alistair say when you see him saying this? imagine him saying that he's he didn't even know I was there like he was just okay. he, I think he invited other kids to play the game and he just hadn't invited me to play this game well take a second and just make sure because I, I get nervous around the words I imagine mm-hmm. so, so take a second say it again in your head real fast and see if that's what he says yeah, he says he's sorry Wow, well, that was easy. <laughs> that was easy. So it, that was like, and, and notice now, and, and let him say you're a great kid, and uh, I won't do it again. I'll, I'll make sure I don't do it again. Mm. That was an easy one because it was an oversight, but notice how in your mind it was something different than what it really was. And, and what's really strange about this work is we know we know what's going on with other people. A lot of times when we get to bullies, I've had 
people know, one woman I worked with knew that the guy who bullied her, that he his parents wanted a girl. And also they favored the older brother. And how the heck do you know that stuff? But this happens over and over again. When we work at this this deep level, there's some kind of knowing about what's going on. All kinds of other things have happened too. But in terms of bullying, that's been really interesting. So that was an easy one. But but just so notice that sensation in your belly. Yeah. And is it the same? Is it worse or is it better? It's better now. I don't really feel it there anymore. It's kind of like the energy sort of spread out through my chest now. Yeah, okay. So do you, uh, but are you feeling tension in your chest? Not really tension, no. I can just feel a little bit of something in my chest, but it's not tension. Yeah. It doesn't feel dis. you know, it doesn't feel uncomfortable any longer. No, that's good. That's good. So this was a very simple one. And notice, and think about that time you wanted to use porn. And mm. notice if it feels like you want to use porn in that moment anymore. No, it's gone completely. Yeah. Yeah, so this is how this stuff works. Mm. And it's real it's really interesting. Now, of course, not everything's as easy as this. And I will tell you that from my experience in the rooms, that and of course these were not just porn addicts, they were everything, every kind of sex addiction you can imagine, right? Um but virtually everyone there had either experienced sexual abuse was the number one thing everybody more people experience that than anything uh physical abuse and neglect those are the three big things that i saw you know saw time and time again uh one of the people i'm thinking of who was a porn addict i don't think i knew he knew exactly what was was going on and um from his stuff but you know we we all have abandonment issues that's that's always the case we all have and most of us in in America and in other countries too, there's a lot of fathers who are kind of absent, mm. whether physically absent or whether they're not not present when they are there. Yes, there's there's just all kinds of stuff under the surface, and and so it's not as easy as what we just did, but still, that that's kind of how it works. So the steps, just to give you a sense of what they are, is the first step is what I call the the reconnection step, where you just connect to the where you feel it in your body and how old you were the first time. Then the next step is the release step, which we didn't actually need to do. Sometimes there's little techniques you can use where if you feel tension in your body, you can either unzip that part of your body and your mind and you'll see stuff. And then you take it out or you can imagine a magician's hat with a little handkerchief. Mm. You know, you pull the handkerchiefs out, the handkerchief trick that magicians do. Yeah, yeah. I'm always worried when I'm telling people in other countries, it's like, there's only one person in my entire life it's never heard of this magician's trick. It's the strangest thing. But you start pulling the handkerchiefs out till there's no more. And eventually there's like no tension in your body from that or less. And then you go back a second time. And 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 the way these things work all the time is that you go back, you test it, and you see, well, I still feel more. Or no, it moved to my chest or whatever it is. And so you're, what you're increasingly doing is you're not just calming your nervous system which is what a lot of you, you're actually healing material from the past by releasing this stuff. So so the second step is the release step. The third step I call uh, removing obstacles. And that's where, let's say it's, there's anger, but you're not, it's not, doesn't feel safe to feel the anger. So then that's where we do my version of what 
of parts work of internal family system. So we get to the point where you're willing to um, to do this work. So I once had a woman whose husband had been murdered at work uh, 20 years before, and she had um, she'd been depressed for all those 20 years. And there's this in the fifth step, you get a present, and I'll, which I'll explain in a second. But she got rubies, and I asked her to ask the rubies if they needed anything to stay with her forever. And they said, "Are you willing to allow, allow love in?" I, I, they, they asked her to allow love in, and I said, "Are you willing to allow love?" And she said, "No." So that's where we went to the third step to remove the obstacles. So we got to the different places that didn't want to allow love in, because and when she got to the point where she was able to allow love in by the end of the session, she looked beautifully peaceful. This is back when I had an office. Now I just do everything by Zoom. What was really amazing was the next week, and she'd come to me, this is like her seventh session, and every single time she wore gray sweats and gray jacket, you know, that goes with the sweats. Suddenly she was wearing brand new blue jeans and a pink top, and she said, my son, I had dinner with my son. I didn't rec- He didn't recognize me. Wow. Because she, he was nine years old when her, his father was shot. Mm-hmm. 29 now. He had never seen her not depressed. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't depressed anymore. And so that was, that's what the, how the third step works is. The fourth step is, is the belief part, where, which we just did. where it's, it's called the reinstate step. But it's basically, you know, Alistair really hurt me when you ignored me. And getting Alistair to the point where he says, I'm sorry, I love you, you're a great kid, I never should have done that. Now, most of the time, that's a bit of work. <laughs> but but in your case, it was kind of a misunderstanding. It was this really profound kind of psychic awareness that you didn't have when you were little. Yeah, so what's really interesting, because this isn't necessarily very emotional, but it's more the intellectual side of it. And I know you need to do the emotional side because that's probably most important here. But when I was doing the exercise just then a minute ago, I didn't think about this at all. But Alistair was the first kid to kind of ask me a question that was very, very sensitive. So I was really, really young and he asked me, about my circumcision. My circumcision went wrong a little bit and I was the only kid that I knew to be circumcised. And so subconsciously, without realizing, I must have related me being the only kid in school to be circumcised with him not inviting me to play a game. So I feel like that was possibly the deeper wound is something to do with both the trauma of my circumcision because apparently it went quite wrong when I was a baby but then also him not inviting me and maybe that relating to it in some way. I don't know exactly well, what. Well, it's kind of interesting, but that wasn't what was up. So the subconscious gives up what it wants to give up when it wants to give it up. And it has an order. So this is the very first time you're working the way I work ever. So it's not going to necessarily give you the harder stuff right away. It's like weight lifting weights. You know, you start with 10 pounds, you do 20 pounds. Et cetera, et cetera. So yes, there was a deeper there's a deeper thing as to why you may have thought that he did that. But there was this other beautiful level where it was like this is a misunderstanding. He had no reason that he he was excluding you out of at least consciously, only 
because he just neglected to notice that you were there. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which to me is a beautiful thing to, to be aware of that this has nothing to, there's nothing wrong with me. It wasn't because there was something wrong with me in his mind. Uh, but in this case, it wasn't that big. It was this particular issue was, was not that big a deal. But it, well, this stuff will take you to the deep places. Uh, it eventually can take you to infant stuff. All of my stuff, well, that's not totally true, but the predominantly most difficult things I experienced all happened during its infancy. Yeah. Uh, so you can, I mean, I haven't, they showed up in and of their own accord. Not so much when I did this work, but I did so much of this work that it's like my my subconscious is primed to just show up at any given time whenever I needed it to. So, um, but but certainly infant stuff will show up. How does it feel on the other side, having done all of this work? You, you feel lighter. You feel lighter until more stuff shows up and then it's heavy because more stuff shows up. I've been, it's taken me, it's 37 years of doing this kind of internal work. So what's interesting is people are, you know how I said I could pick up on you? When I do a session, people pick up on me also. And they pick up on my comfort going to these places inside myself that most people haven't, you know. And so they're able, it's like I'm, it's like I'm helping them lift the weight yeah. a little. And, and weird things happen that are really powerful. So when you release emotions, our body releases emotions in certain ways. So yawning is one way. Burping is another way. Having your stomach growl is another way. Uh, having your um, having little muscle spasms is another way, uh, and sometimes coughing when when there's something you need to express but you don't want to you're blocking it a little bit, you'll start coughing. Simultaneously, I pick up on people, and so I invariably burp during a session, without question. I will start burping. Uh, I think I can't think of any sessions where I didn't burp, and sometimes it's really intense because if somebody has something really intense going on, the burping is. Releasing stuff. People have told me they feel better after I burped. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it's interesting. That there are, I, I've heard of other people who do it, not like one or two other people who have that experience. Apparently shamans in, in used to burp and throw up after doing rituals with people. Well, wow. the first person I talked to who, who told me this stuff. That's the weird thing about working with me. And where, where can people find? I think the easiest thing to remember is anxiety123.com. I, I wanted to make it as easy as 123. So the, here's what you're going to find at anxiety123. Uh, number one, you, if you want to set up an appointment for free, um, like freedom, in your case, freedom, in your audience's case, freedom from pornography call. It's not what I'm calling it generally, but... If you want to map out kind of what it would take to become free from pornography, I do a free 30-minute call, and there's a button you can pick, click on that. Um, you can also get what I call my Emotional Overload First Aid Kit, which has a step-by-step -step process of connecting to your body and finding out whatever, whatever, whenever you're triggered, whenever you have the urge of porn, this particular way of doing things is step-by-step -step there. I have a book called The One Minute Anxiety Solution uh, with 57 Ways to Lower Anxiety in a Minute, which uses a, you know, a lot of the techniques I use in the deeper level you can use very quickly to kind of lower your anxiety. And um, I also have a Defy Trauma course, 
which is without me there, you you can do it on your own if you're the type of person if you know if you have a limited budget, uh, this is a great way. If you're the type of person who just likes to do this stuff on your own, this this way can work. Um, I've had people tell me about experiences where I was kind of jealous that I wasn't the guy that facilitated. So, you know, different ways for different people at, at different times. Yeah. And, uh, it also tells you how to follow me on TikTok and, and you can click a button to follow me on either TikTok or Instagram. And I just want to say a big, big thank you to you for coming on. Such a interesting experience. I've never done a podcast quite like that. Felt, felt like I went to some crazy place. Like it really did work. So that was so That's great. interesting. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you to anyone watching or listening. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day.